Uh, what? Right, this is Winging It. It is the somewhat whimsical, certainly worrying, as I mention every week, decidedly wonky, seldom weighty, endlessly well-intentioned, and wildly witty show about music, where one knows what's coming and the other, as I mentioned, has no fucking clue. So this happens in between both proper to ensure you can spend anywhere from about 15 minutes to 180 minutes with us every week or every other week, depending. So today we are going to be talking about the music that inspired Blondie. Clem Burke names his 10 favorite albums. As the founding member of New York's finest new wave band, Clem Burke transferred the furious energy of punk and slinky sounds of new wave to create some of the best rock songs in history. And faroutmagazine.co.uk, thank you. They've gathered the 10 albums that influenced Clem Burke and led him on the musical path of discovery and inspiration that found him in the 2006 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Do you have any guesses of what could have influenced him? What could have been a driving force for Clem? I seem to remember him having rather eclectic taste, but in particular, I couldn't name a single one. No. Not even one. Nope. Not a guess. Not a guess. One may not surprise you because it's one that is a favorite of yours as well. The Beatles... Meet the Beatles. Oh, no, no. That that wouldn't surprise me. And I, I gotta tell you, I can see there are a lot of parallels in my mind between Clem Burke and Ringo because both of them are absolute legends. Uh, the highest compliment I can pay a drummer is to say that they're as important to their sound as Clem Burke is to Blondie's. And another highest compliment I could pay to a drummer is one that I usually reserve for Ringo is that after 50-some-odd years of listening, every time I listen, part of my mind is focused ex- entirely on what he's doing. And the same thing with Clem Burke. He's that important. So that he's influenced by Ringo to that degree? Uh, no, not at all. What about introducing the Beatles? Yeah, and there's some real frenetic, fiery stuff, and uh, all of that has found its way into Blondie's music. So um, that's what sets these two drummers among the very peak, as far as I'm concerned. So no, it doesn't really surprise me. I do hear it. Um, it's not that he doesn't add anything. Just because it's not complex doesn't mean it's not perfect for the music. That's And oh, that's what right. he did was perfect for the music. And it doesn't mean that he's not a great drummer. I'm used to hearing such complex drumming. There's no way for Ringo, for example, could fill in for Clem Burke and Blondie. Not right. a chance. You know, or Bill Bruford or anybody right, like that. Right. You know, I mean, no. It's And I don't think it's that he's a Bill Bruford or, uh, or an Ian Pace or something, and he's just, you know, holding back and playing down to the Beatles just being appropriate for the songs. No, I don't think he can go beyond what he was playing, right. but they're the fucking Beatles. I'm kind of one of those satisfied fan things. It's like, I don't think, well, gee, what if Kiss had a better bass player? Or what if the Beatles had a better drummer? I usually don't think like that. Well, you know, it's Um, hard to, especially, number one, I think that's a good point, because it's hard to think of it when you have such an affinity for them. I like straightforward Hell beats. Yeah. I like I like shit that's simple and easy too. But then Maybe I more bitches. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there's a purity, if you will, to what Ringo played, and there's a purity to what Clem played. And I like that they didn't overdo it. And I think you're exactly right. Ringo couldn't. That's where he lives. That's yeah. his, That's his spot. But it's like something. Picture Strawberry Fields forever without him. You know. I mean, come on. I mean, uh, day in the life. You know. I mean, he's he brings those songs right where they need to be. 
So you definitely hear the influence there. Well, what about the Four Seasons Golden Hits? Wow, yeah. I mean, right? Well, I mean, it is. There's a lot of retro in Blondie's music. For sure. I mean, it's perfect. What was one of their earliest ones in the flesh? They really poured it all into that. Yes. They went to town on that one. They said, we want to do whatever we can to make this one sound great. And it's such a classic. My God. It's, they took off with that. And you're like, you can't forget a band that comes up with something like that. So, um, no. They... Uh, uh, the Four Seasons influence, I wouldn't have guessed it, certainly, but now that you mention it, yeah, because right? Four Seasons are classic doo-wop, rock and roll, and uh, you do hear that in Blondie. You really do. So are you ready for the next one? It's another one of your favorites. Some of these are really going to get you. I bet you he likes stuff. He doesn't like any shit, I'll bet. Yeah. I don't think that he does. You might you might disagree with one thing, but I don't know that you will. Don't tell me he likes Alice in Chains. Just skip that if he does. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's his number one. No, it's not. Clem who? I don't even know. <laughs> I hate Blondie now. Um, totally disavow Clem. I'm out. Yeah. The Who's, The Who Sing My Generation. Oh, yes. The first Who album. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of serious chops on there. The sad thing about Keith Moon is... There were things he couldn't do on the drums anymore. He had resolved to go sober and you know and, and clean up and everything, but he had pretty much lost his drumming to some extent. Throughout the bulk of his career, he was genius. Keith Moon is another one of those drummers that is you either love him or you kind of don't like him and you think he's sloppy and he's polarizing or whatever. There was a, a real artistry to him and a real, uh, he was a character and he was larger than life. And, you know, he did a lot of things that were unexpected, but he also, he did some stuff with the drums that didn't make sense to me either. But I do recognize individual talents. I'm very much a Pete Townsend fan, as we've discussed. Yeah. And, um, so I definitely like Pete Townsend. I just don't like the whole thing together and I don't like the Who's the music. Muppet. Yeah, the Muppet. Yeah, I'm out, of the, I'm out there. I'm the, the whole Dolce thing, Muppet, I'm out. <laughs> Um, he's a Muppet, but, um, and so Keith Moon, I'm kind of on, on the fence, but I know that he is super inspirational to, to many. Yeah. And if you listen to certain who selections, it's easy to come away with the idea that Moon had no restraint. Yeah. But you know, you listen to the, you know, the progressive, uh, stuff like, uh, the instrumentals on Quadrophenia and everything. And, uh, I mean, they sound, they sound like Pink Floyd sometimes. They really do. I mean, there's things you listen to the absolutely brutal ball stomping, metal of live at Leeds and then you listen to Quadrophenia and it like I said it sounds like Pink Floyd and you, and you just you can't believe it's the same band and Moon is all is writing he goes with Townsend's compositions everywhere and like I said right up until the end he could keep up with anything uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Those are, those are some big words right there. I'm not yeah. sure if I if I'm with you on that, but I respect that. I I don't know. I don't get the Pink Floyd from them because then I probably like the Who. <laughs> there are I things like you Pink would Floyd. like. Instrumentals. No Muppet. They're Muppet yeah. free. I mean, instrumentals are definitely better for me. Just like again, I love Rush. I just can't do Muppet voice. So I love the instrumentals of Rush because I don't have the Muppet. Um, and again, it's not that Getty Lee can't sing, but they have him singing that freaking high ass <laughs> shit that I can't take. So uh, yeah, so I thought that that would be another one that you that would make sense to you would hear it, the influence, and it does, it especially does. the rock drumming. And like you said, you heard kind of that that where it felt kind of manic but controlled mania, which yeah. is you know kind of there's a magic in that. I mean, right? he never he never stops. His hands are flying over the whole the drums throughout the entirety of songs like Dreaming, for example, and yet it doesn't take away the the pop sensibility of it. And mm-hmm. somehow it's a classic rock song. It's a it's a top forty hit. It's a it's everything, and it's completely propelled by his insane drumming. And, and then what about the Rolling Stones, England's newest hit makers? 
You see, Charlie, now there's another one <laughs> yes. who Guitar Center trolls post online and all these music groups. Charlie's a shit drummer. He's like a guy who just hired to play for the night and everything. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, he doesn't contribute He's no session quite, musician. No, but he doesn't contribute quite as much as, well, he's a, he's a big jazz guy. He's into the jazz thing. He doesn't contribute quite as much as Ringo, I don't think. But Charlie Watts, I mean, when I listen to the Stones, I never think, and I have been my entire life, same as the Beatles, and I've never thought, you know, if only they had a better drummer. He's fucking great, I think. I know, I know. Nobody likes Charlie. Nobody likes Ringo. I get it. Once we become a fan of the way that it sounds, no one's going to be able to do it better, as I've learned from you when we do all do it better than you move. You think nobody does it better than anybody. I can hear it with a Bruford, or I can hear it with a Peart. I can hear it, and I go, oh my God, that would be so much fucking better. Like The Who, without Roger Daltrey, better. <laughs> and sometimes they don't. Better. <laughs> they have three lead singers and occasionally four. You know. Yeah, I mean, it would be great if it was just, because I'm a Pete Townsend fan, so I, I, I'd like that better. But Pete Townsend, little stuff, I'm in. Even Pete Townsend said one of his most hated bands is The Who. So at least I feel like I'm in good company. <laughs> so another one is The Velvet Underground and Nico, The Velvet Underground and Nico. Wow. Honestly, as iconic a status as The Velvet Underground has, the st- I have one of their albums, White Light, White Heat, mm-hmm. and uh, I know the Nico one was the first one, I believe. It, I believe so, too. And um, I'm not, I've heard it once, I think, and there's some good stuff on it. I mean, Lou Reed, some good uh, playing, some good writing. But I'm not entirely sure they're as as great as they're cracked up to be. I don't remember the drumming in particular. It didn't stand out to me. But I'm not that familiar with it, even though I have one of the records. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. The Velvet Underground and Nico is is a band that, um, for me, it kind of missed me. It kind of I, it eludes me. The and, and I don't know why, but I don't exactly You don't understand. see what the fuss is about. I don't see what the fuss is about, and I don't really hear the influence i think i'd have to spend some more time actually like listening to velvet underground i guess because i was watching a bowie concert and well bowie very often does white light white heat in concert right and i'm thinking you know that's nice i really like the way you do it and everything but your shit is so much better so know? much better why would so you do much that better because i guess everybody has influences yeah. you know so yeah that one i don't get i don't get the hoopla I'm not knee deep in the hoopla. Knee deep in the hoopla. I'm there not. you go. I was. I, I, I'm glad. I, I regret not getting there first. Rather. Yeah. Oh, you know that's yeah. because I, I just had to one up your yeah. ass. So, but I don't get the Velvet Underground. You guys go ahead and write in both on air at gmail dot com and let us know how wrong we are. I'm okay. But what we're about? We're sorry, Clem. We're mm-hmm. sorry. Yes. What about the Stooges and the Stooges Funhouse? Ah, well, yes. I was always a big Iggy fan. Yes. And I was much more familiar with the solo albums. And I've even started to reacquire them. Yeah, I bought records, kids. I know. Vinyl? Uh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, see, no, now, no. The, now now you've lost me. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Actual CDs. And digitals, you know. Oh, some mine. just only digitals. I like, well, I just stream it on Spotify. Well, well I mean, yeah, you can stream it on Spotify. <laughs> I've actually bought some stuff I could just as easily have streamed on Spotify. Yes. But Iggy's, Iggy's thankful, I'm sure. <laughs> I only, in the last year or two, got the original Three Stooges albums. And for some reason, Heresy, Heresy, Burn, Witch, Burn. I like the James Williamson stuff better than the originals. To me, they were very much like the Doors, and they were signed around the same time, and they have a lot of Doors sound on their first record. I guess the drumming is quite inventive. You know, now that I think about it, I wouldn't be surprised if if a Doors record is on Clem's favorite, too, because if he likes the Stooges, he probably likes the Doors, too. Uh, it's it's out there, and sometimes Clem gets out there. So, yeah, I yeah, guess I see it. I see it with the Stooges because, uh, you know, the punky part. But I, I don't I don't exactly hear what you hear in the Stooges. I don't hear... That they sound similar to the band that you mentioned. Uh, early, very early. Yeah. Okay, well, all right, are you ready? Uh, yeah. 
So far, no real surprises. Except uh, to Velvet Underground a little bit. Yeah, well, yeah, because it, it doesn't ring a bell. I don't get it. But I yeah. see the other ones, yeah. What about David Bowie, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy? Oh, yeah. Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, of yes. course. Great. Uh, Bowie had a great band, and they did uh, s- numerous albums together, and uh, that was uh, that was just incredible, <laughs> incredibly brilliant. Right, absolutely. Um, Think of the drumming on that. Yep. And I totally hear it. Well, even the influence, the entire influence of... The music and the sound—I can hear some of that infused into Blondie. Yeah, and the the in addition to as we talked about with the Four Seasons, the you know the retro duopy sure. kind of thing. We also have the vaudevillian kind of theatrical yes. show tune kind of thing. That's right. Yeah, so I see a lot of that creep into Blondie's music as well. So no, that doesn't surprise me. Spiders are an incredible band. Well, and I feel like Debbie Harry must have also been influenced by the style. I mean, if you look at her style throughout the years, yeah, you can totally yeah. see the Bowie influence and that kind of uh, fashion forward, playful fashion with not only hair, but makeup and clothes and swagger. Yeah, yeah I'm not surprised at Clem's choices. I'm waiting for him to pull something out of a hat that's really whack. But in a way, anything he would come up with probably finds its way into Blondie's music in some way. So It does. Yeah. You definitely can hear it. Well, be hard for him to surprise me. This one is not going to surprise you, the Ramones, the Ramones. Yeah, well, I mean, that was you, the day, CBGBs. I mean, it was uh, the Lower East Side. It was, uh, that was the time. And love the Ramones and seeing them come out at the same time. They're nowhere near as punky, but occasionally they, they would, you know, get that way. Right. But, uh, but you can see... The sensibility, although the Ramones are a lot, you know, a lot more down to earth, shall mm-hmm. we say? Or, yeah, a lot more kind of like ground yeah, connected, yeah. down and dirty. Meat and potatoes, you know. Yeah. But uh, even though they, they certainly evolved in some fascinating ways, too. But uh, yeah, Blondie, yeah, of course that would have to be there, too. But they also, you know, obviously bridged a lot of different styles. And I think that, that punk was definitely one of them, even though they didn't have, I don't think, any really straight punk songs. They had straight punk features in their songs. Yeah, yeah. Which I liked. It was like a theme, a little unifying theme in there. A couple of them are, are rather close. Sure, but, I um, agree. No, I would. I never think of Blondie as a punk band. No. I think of them as a new wave band, if I have to think of them in any terms like that at all. Right, know? and I, I think new wave fits them really well. It was perfect for the time, and I think it still fits. I mean, uh, there's so many amazing bands that fit into that genre, and that genre, unfortunately, is not as celebrated, I think, as it should be. Some some of us celebrate it. Uh, some of us didn't get it. Some of us still don't know what New Wave is. So. Yeah, I mean, if you want to put people into New Wave like Elvis Costello and Blondie and everything, then New Wave is incredible. Talking Heads, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff there that might be described that way. Um it's bigger than it sounds. Absolutely, I mean, it's better than it sounds. It's like the '80s. People just people go, oh, '80s, yeah, hair, right? Well, you know, some of that There's hair shit l- was really good. You yeah, know? there was some some stuff that had less hair. And yeah, it was, it was there was really less good. hair. Yes, and even hair was not uh, an impediment <laughs> to a great record. You know? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Posing does not necessarily mean that you don't actually put out. You know, so yeah. <laughs> that's well, very I mean, weird. not like that. <laughs> you know what I mean. Well, you, can, right, you probably put you, out, but you, your musical output. You can both uh, pose and put out whatever I mean, you, you're into. You, you put up rather, not put out. <laughs> I think that's what I meant. Yeah. Freudian slip. Didn't Freud say there were no mistakes? No mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The last one may surprise you. Actually, I think it will surprise you. Um, but once you think about it for a minute, you'll say, oh, okay. Interesting. Blondie's parallel lines. He's inspired by himself. Yes, yeah. correct. Okay. 
<laughs> well, I mean, uh, why should he be indifferent than anybody who's come after him? Because I think a lot of people were inspired by him. Well, yeah, I mean, Parallel Lines is an incredible record. What can I say? That one is they go, they do the Buddy Holly. There's punk on there. There's dance on there. There's he just they really flex their muscles a lot on that record. Not as necessarily the absolute best one, but it shows really what they're capable of. And well, hey, I mean, I I hate false modesty. And if he's going to say I'm so good that I I, uh, I want to kiss myself, I am I'm encouraged by myself and uh, <laughs> influenced by myself. Well, good. I mean, don't be modest. If you think you're great, say so. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm okay with some modesty. Um, I, I don't really <laughs> like false modesty. If it's false modesty, then you're not modest. So that's what I mean. Yeah. What he says here is naturally there was a final nod to the album that literally changed his life. He says, although we had some success in Europe and our two previous albums. This is the one that got us to number one in the USA with Heart of Glass. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about um, the albums as if it was the, the drummers that influenced him and everything. But truly, he's talking about albums that, cha- that inf- influenced and impacted him. And I'm sure the success of that uh, incredible release of theirs uh, changed a lot of things for them. So I'm not saying he thinks he's great. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> So yes, exactly. of course, it changed, it changed everybody's perception of Blondie and their position in the world. It really did. It changed everything. Well, that actually brings us to the end of his list. Those were his top 10, and I thought they were pretty interesting. The one that was the most shocking to me, and not shocking in a really bad way, but the one that was most shocking was his own band. But there is something kind of beautiful about that, because once you reach that level of success, everything changes. You know, people are taking you more seriously. People are listening. You have Now you have a voice in the music scene, whereas before you were just begging to have a voice. And since I've not experienced that, I can only assume that that's what this was about, where he said I was inspired by my own, right? Because it it was a moment. It was a moment that changed his life forever and hopefully gave him all the freedom he needed to continue to be brilliant um, as he is. Yeah, and after the success of that boy, did they certainly take... I wouldn't, not creative license, but creative control. They yes. started doing stuff that was even more daring than they did before. It's like, yeah, we're going to do this old reggae cover, and we're going to do this, and we're going to you know, put out an album with like uh, a lot of uh, torchy ballad-type stuff and everything, and just whatever the hell, you know? Yeah. Ghosts of Download is like pretty much all dance pop, the whole thing. Yeah. But it's fucking brilliant. So, you know, yeah, whatever they do, they uh, gained creative uh, control. Of course, they went away for many a year. Yes. Many a year, but came back, and Clem was always a part of the band, always. You know? Yeah. Well, that's all I have for this particular episode. I hope you enjoyed that little blondie moment. We have concluded yet another fascinating, interesting, and and wildly witty show. Uh, It only leaves for you to say one thing. Let's fly this coop. (laughs) 